But again, in, in my own conviction this morning, and, and, and as I was stating just previously, um, to, understand, to understand Acts 20, 27, where Paul said, I have not shunned, I haven't kept back from declaring unto you all the counsel of God. So understanding all the counsel of God will give us the understanding to keep out any cultic, evil teaching that's not of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what has to happen in Acts 20 and verse 24 is we cannot count our life dear unto our own selves. And that even and that's Acts 20, 24. But that involves what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5. He said, we preach Christ, not ourselves. Not ourselves. So the flesh can so easily be mixed up with the truth, the grace and truth and knowledge that Christ is. And then it ceases to, to have and experience the skill that's involved that only comes from Christ when the vessel is completely submitted to him. And that's brought out in Ephesians 4 and verse 8 so that the gifts function properly in 4.11 of Ephesians. But considering all of this, considering all of this, that's why it says in Acts 6 verse 4, especially leaders, initiators, husbands, we will give ourselves to prayer. We will give ourselves to prayer, and we've been taught that that always speaks of dependence. Prayer is constantly teaching us that no matter the beauty of the truth that we have in Christ, when we're not continually dependent upon him, it's never my experience. And if my experience is not God's love, then my experience will not be protected. My position in Christ is unassailable. In 1 John 5.18, the B part, the wicked one touches us not. But the experience is left open to every wind of doctrine in Ephesians 4 and verse 14. If I'm not submitted to Christ my head, and, and this is very, very vital. So, But that's why it says we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. When I'm not dependent on God the Holy Spirit to take the things of Christ, then I become my own theologian, I become my own scholar, and I become my private interpreter in Second Peter 1 and verse 20. And we have to understand that uh, the private interpretation just simply means mixing my flesh, even with the beauty of the word, and then it ceases to, in its beauty, it ce- the skill completely ceases in 2 Timothy uh, 2 and verse 24. It ceases because it says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21 that the, that the word came apart completely from the will of man. But boy, does the enemy want to get the unsaved will of man declaring the things of God. And he only can do that through, the, through Satan himself. This is where every single cult and its germ, every single cult and its seed was established in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Every single one. Every single one. Hath God said, question him. Question him. Has God said. We see in the whole, and, and we see the result of that the result of that, mankind, unsaved, or man that, that truly b- believed in Christ, 
and their faith went forward to the cross and all those types. Their, their faith went completely forward, completely forward to all of that. We can see uh, crystal clear all of mankind as a result, unsaved or peop- men that were, were re- had received Christ and their faith going forward to the cross. 4,000 years later, their faith going forward to it, that would function in the flesh, there are how many at that particular time on the whole population of the earth, how many actually were truly born again? Actually truly knew the truth. Maybe not perfect in it. Maybe not perfect in it, but, but knew the truth. And, and how many? Eight. Eight went into the ark. Eight. And the reason was was because those that were in the ark, they were not any better than the unsaved, but they were certainly better off because they were placed in Christ in the type which the ark is. Because up, up, apart from that number of eight, and eight again, not to get into numbers too much, but eight always represents resurrection life. Based upon seven, the completed work of Christ. That man, man's number six has nothing to do with But the number five has all to do with the grace of God. No question about it. But that the whole, the thought of every single person outside of the ark, Christ himself, Christ himself, nothing added, was only continually evil. Every thought, purpose, and design, and imagination, everything was only evil in Genesis 6 and verse 5. Only evil evil continually. And again, it's brought out in, in, in Genesis 8 and verse 21. There's every single cult finds its germ in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. As I, and as God has, has had me do this over the decades and, and, and had me doing it, even when I wasn't declaring it, but it was, it was preparatory to the things that we face even now. And and in studying all these different cults, and please remember what a cult is. A cult, an antichrist, a cult is anything outside of the person of Christ and the work that he alone, by himself, accomplished, period. It's cultic and it's antichrist in its absolute form. You can see that in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 5. They had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. They had a form, but was it God's form? Was it Christ, the person of Christ, and it's not? Now, in that, in that, in that particular place, we can see very, very clearly, very, very clearly then, that when, when I study these cults, and understand them, you know, all I can do, truthfully, is, and, and, and God using the study of those things to deal with me personally, I just want to be very honest about this, very personally, personally with me about hidden or secret areas of the flesh in me that I'm not of, neither any of us aren't. In Christ, your God does not see you after the flesh. He will deal with that and, and the correction and chastisement and conviction of his love, no question about that, he will, he will. But we have that flesh that's in us, 
And that flesh that's in us is only evil continually. And when Mike mentioned imaginations, yeah, it's just a thought life. And imaginations and a thought life outside of Christ is some form of an idol in the mind that we worship. Doesn't matter what it is. And the idol is nothing. We know that through the scriptures. The idol is nothing in Deuteronomy 29, verse 17. They, the, the Hebrews call, called those idols, they were called dungy gods, or, or the Hebrew word is il ilums. They were nothings. And the reason that they were was because they functioned outside the love of God, manifested, revealed, and expressed only through his Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, you see the Trinity involved in all of it. And that's why the enemy, the enemy today with all the cults, all these different teachings, is to, is to is in hatred to Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished. That started in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. That's where it started. And, and God will use that. And I'll tell you how God convicted me personally, as I was studying this, and my heart was broken for people. It might, honestly, my heart was broken for people. And how the enemy does every single thing that he can to come against the love of God expressed through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's the spirit of the world and of the influence of Satan and his invisible demonic army coming against God, the Holy Spirit. And there's an, there, there is a, a type, like the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is a trinity of the satanic realm. That's where all that cultic false teaching comes from. And it comes from an angel of light. That's where it comes from, an angel of light. Now, here's, here's where I'll go to, and we'll, we'll just kind of wrap this up a little bit early this morning. But in, in, second, in, in second Timothy, I mean in Second Corinthians, I should say, in Second Corinthians 4, this, and this is why, this is what it comes against. First, before I even read Second uh, uh, Corinthians, the fourth chapter, here is what in Second Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter two, verse one says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. In other words, a false wisdom. This is all cultic evil wisdom that's outside of Christ, because we know that Christ is the power of God, no one else, only one. He's the power of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 24. You see that clearly in Proverbs the 8th chapter. You can start in the 20s and go right down to the last verse in verse 36 of that particular chapter. And you will see that it is, is, is Christ himself. He is manifested to us as the eternal wisdom of God. We can see this. And I, brethren, when I came to you, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you, what? The testimony of God, the witness, the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, listen to this, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Notice that. There was only one that hung on the cross. 
okay? Jesus didn't hang there with his earthly mother. I'm going to make that crystal clear this morning. And so angry at that. But I'm just telling you, the anger that I had for all that cultic teaching and not just, not just certain things that came out of Italy and other countries, long before it ever came out of Italy or Rome, it came from centuries before that. But as much as the anger that I had toward those cults, God showed me without condemning me with a godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10, I want you to be angry like that in areas of the flesh. I want, I want those things. And the same anger in my love, you know, Psalm 97, verse 10, all you that love hate, all you that love hate evil. All you that love God hate evil. I'm not hating who I am in Christ. I'm hating that that, that I am no longer. That that I'm no longer. And how many times is it so easy in 2 Peter 2 and verse 22 and Proverbs 26, verse 11? For us, like, like the dog that returns to its vomit, or the sow, the pig, that returns to wallowing in the mud, easily that can be done through the flesh. So I can tell you that even in the study of these, and knowing how to answer individuals, and to show them, by the grace of God, through hours of studying and digging, hours, and that's why when the word is presented here, you know, it's all grace and it's all God, but it's hours of digging and study and labor. That's why it demands the strictest attention and discipline. It's the truth. And I only say that in love. There's not an ounce of condemnation in that. Not a single ounce of it. And that's why we as adults must take the lead. Okay? So we keep out others from being the source of the blame. <laughs> Isn't that easy? It's very easy. It's very simple, and it's very easy. And, and, uh, and, and so here, so here, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's talking to a church that are born again, that had gifts through the roof, and were functioning in their flesh. Making something more of their flesh, and using the gift that Christ is to do it. God forbid. God forbid. And he does, by the way, in Galatians 6 and verse 14, God forbid that I should glory, except in the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, that leaves every single person out. That leaves the blessed virgin, and Mary was a blessed virgin, chosen among women, never above them. Who declared in the Douay-Rheims Catholic Bible, Vulgate Version? She said in Luke 137, My God and my Savior. That's what she said. And you can see through the Gospels. You can see it. Look in Matthew the 12th chapter and look in Luke the 8th chapter where he lovingly as God in humanity dealt with his mother when she was wrong but even though honoring her never outside of honoring her okay but God God doesn't give his honor to any man in that sense never and he never gives his worship to only our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's not separated when we get into the Pauline epistles 
really the epistles of Christ given to Paul to give to us as his, his special messenger to give to us the church. He never gave that to anyone else but other than his son. Now every cult, it's not just what comes out of Italy, but it's every single cult as a result of that. It's, it's going to be some form of idol worship. And, and listen, it can be just as much in so-called Protestantism where you worship the pastor or worship the speaker and give him an equal plane with Jesus Christ, which is evil idolatry, evil and wicked. And that can reside in the flesh. That's right. And God forbid that I or any of us should ever represent Christ attached to our flesh. And he does forbid that. God forbid that I glory. We don't glory in men in 1 Corinthians 3, 21. You are to call no man on earth your father in Matthew 23 and verse 9. You call no man your father on earth in that sense. Ever. That's what it says. Ever. And only in a spiritual sense. Spiritual sense. In 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 4, 15 and 16. And in, in, in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 1, or 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Follow me, Paul said, as I follow Christ. Because if I follow Christ, you're going to get revealed to you a father. So in a spiritual sense, you're spiritual fathers. But what is a spiritual father but submitted to Christ and him alone? So that the love of the father flows in and through that. Verse 3, and I was with you in weakness. You see what Paul said? He didn't put himself above a soul. He wasn't above any believer. The youngest believer the youngest one. You know, Paul never put himself, and neither does the father, even above the newborn babes in 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Never. Never. They occupy a place of service and love and labor, yes, that can never be replaced. But all the glory goes to God. We even have to be careful about the honor. You know, because even honor, we are to honor one another in the reverence of Christ in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. Not just a pastor, not just a leader. We all have that in, in, in Ephesians 5 verse 21. But it says in 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30, I will honor them that honor me. That's where honor comes from. It comes from God. You don't elevate it. Even in the honor, you don't elevate a man above anybody. Ever. Never. We're all one body, are we not? In Ephesians 5, 30, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and, and 13. <laughs> Again, in my anger, in my brokenness, and the anger that I have towards people that get caught up in these cults and, and, and brokenness and tears this morning is the same tears that God was, I shed with God, with godly sorrow in 2 Corinthians 7.10, about areas of my flesh. Because if it's not that, it's the flesh, even in the hatred of the cults, that's not of God. And that goes into Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Be angry and sin not. And, and when do we sin? When the flesh gets involved. Because when you do, you give place to the devil. As a believer, you're giving place to the devil. Not in the sense, in, in, in the depth that they are, unsaved and in these cultic tendencies. 
And even when we approach those, which, which I believe I'm very, very close to doing, even when I approach those that do, you see, it's one thing for one to get caught up in these cultic things, even when they know better. But sin has found such a place in the world, such a place, that it, they just dismiss it. But even, when, even then, it's one thing that they do it when they start drawing others into it. Then it's time for Jude 3 and 4. That's when it's time. But to speak the truth in love. To speak the truth in love. In Ephesians 4 and verse 15. And that can be very confrontational and very direct. So Paul said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. He wasn't above anybody or below anybody. In my speech and my preaching, notice this, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom unto Satan. Cultic. You know, even it says in 1 John 2, verse 18, it's, John was saying even then, very early first century, even now there are many antichrists. You, if, if you and I, as believers in Christ, think that we can function in the flesh and not function as an antichrist in experience, i got news for you. My flesh, that's in me that I'm not of, in Romans 8 9, why is it still there? Because God will use it to humble me. That's right. And it's a growing process. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, we're growing in grace. That leaves out natural intellect. That leaves out an unsubmitted will. Just does. Just does, clearly. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, God, and of power, Christ himself. And he never separated himself, obviously. Jesus never did. He said in John 6, 63, he said, it is the Spirit that quickens. He was speaking this in terms of his humanity, but equal in terms of his deity. There's no question about that. Flesh prophets nothing but the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit. And when it is, try the spirits, 1 John 4, 1. They are spirit and they are what? They are life. And that life is Christ. It's God the Holy Spirit who's the only theologian and scholar who will take the things of Christ and bring them from our position into our experience and we experience a love life. And when we do, and when we're in his presence, in Psalm 16 and verse 11, nothing can disturb or distract us. That's the only place. And that's the submission of the will. Verse 5. Listen. That your faith, listen, boy, I wish, that your faith, your absolute dependence in God, should not be, not be, and that's the word, not stand, is rather, not be in the, in the wisdom of men. but in the power of God, and that's Christ. That's where it is. Yes, we honor one another, yes. But all the glory, and even that honor, understanding it right comes from God in a way that will keep you so humble, keep me so humble. And like this morning, I, I was broken and seeing multitudes with all, this, all these different cultic tendencies. And let me tell you, they're surrounding us right here in the Berkshires. That's right. And everywhere in this world system. But where you are in your, in your place, where God has placed you to be a light. 
that shines in the midst of darkness, a true light. Not the angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, and 15. But anyway, I'll finish up here. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are complete. Complete in Christ, understanding these things. Yet not the wisdom of this world, cultic idolatry nor of the princes of this world. Who are the princes of this world? Satan's ministers. He's an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. He has his ministers in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 15. And we in Christ have to be very careful not to become his minister by mingling and mixing our flesh with the purity of who Christ is in us. No question about it. nor of the princes of this world that come to what? Nothing. There's no, no, everyone amounts to nothing outside the love of God expressed through his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2. Without, without love, I am nothing. And the Greek word literally means even less than a zero. I'm non-existent. And it profits me What? In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, nothing. Because there's no prophet, none, outside the love of God expressed through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, but we separated from all of that nothingness, functioning in the love, the love of God, remember what our love is. He loved us. His love actuates in us even the obedience, which is the return of his love. Yes, God loves to be loved with his love through those that he's made his, <laughs> through Christ. Can you imagine that? Yes. The righteous Lord in, in Psalm 11 and verse 7 loves the righteous. His eye is never removed from the righteous. He never removes his eye from the righteous. <laughs> Okay, now, here. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, meaning it's unknown, it's not mysterious. It's not the superstitious, idolatrous, so-called religions, cults, superstition. Tell you where all that stuff came from Italy. I'll guarantee you right now, from the Gnostics way back when. And you know what? You know what Jesus dealt with them in Matthew 23? He did. He dealt with them in Matthew 23. They were called the Pharisees. That's right. Who hated God, hated Christ, and did everything they could to substitute anything and everything rather than Christ. Yes, it was a, a bloody sacrifice on Calvary. It wasn't a bloodless sacrifice like certain cultic teaching will teach you that had its roots in satanic garbage from the Chaldeans and even far back further than that. Again, the seeds in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. We can get into these things in detail because I really think we need to as God leads us resting in his love. Resting in his love. Are we just supposed to keep our mouths shut? Are we supposed to just not say anything because we might offend people? 
in the, in the depth of their deception and denial from the enemy. We're not supposed to say anything. I've got news for you. But we need to speak it in love. I need to speak it in love. And that means a conviction in God dealing with me, and, and, and we'll get to it very quickly. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden, which, in, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, and our glory is only in Christ, in Colossians 1 and verse 27. Remember, God forbid that I glory, that's the flesh, in Galatians 6 and verse 14. God forbid that, I, that we should glory in men, in 1 Corinthians 3.21, and in Matthew 23 and verse 9, we don't call any man father while on this earth. There's only one. There's only one. Period. There's only one God and Father. That's brought out in John 20 and verse 17. That's where that is clearly brought out. Now, here's what this says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 8, which none of the princes of this world know. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, natural eye perception has never seen, nor unsubmitted ear, or having, never having it taught, has neither entered into the mind, the thought life of man, the things which God, notice, God has prepared. Notice, what Mary said about Jesus Christ, my God and my Savior. <laughs> Again, same anger for cultic things, same anger when I function in the flesh. Same. Same. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. Where were, where, who did he prepare them in? In, in Revelation 13, verse 8, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. The works were finished in Hebrews 4, 3, before the earth was ever even created. This is the eternal mind of God. Which God has prepared for them that what? That's obedience to the truth, functioning in it, by the way. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, Holy Spirit, for the Spirit searches what? All things, all truth, all cults, all evil, all truth, all of it. Yea, the deep things of God. And let me tell there's a depth of the beauty of our precious Lord and Savior, but there is a depth of evil that is so. Oh, boy. And the depths that any of our flesh could go is, is just as evil and just as cultic as anything that the, the devil could ever dream up and, and make known. For, and, and we'll finish that, but I'm just going to close with this, 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 1, it says, Therefore seeing, notice that, what are we to see? Therefore seeing, what are we to see? The third chapter. They're connected. There's no chapter and verses in the original. It's connected. It's a continuous thought. Did you know the whole Bible is a continuous thought? It's an organism of one, Christ. Seeing we have this ministry... 
As we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Shame. That's the flesh in all of us. God says, yes, I want you to study the cults, Ed, and understanding. But while you do that, I'm going to lovingly deal with areas of your flesh. I'm going to lovingly deal with them. We'll see why when we get to 1 Timothy. The things of shame. Dishonesty always deals with shame. Not walking in craftiness. That's the subtlety of the enemy in Genesis 3, 1 and 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Now, when would we ever do that? That's the flesh. Using it for myself to live in areas, but condemning others when they do it. But by manifestation of the truth, this is Christ in the experience, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, you know what? In the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, and listen, it's hid to the unsaved, but it's hid to multitudes that are born again. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Listen, in whom the God of this world has blinded, hardened, the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the very image of God, no one else, not Mary, not anyone else, is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves. We preach not ourselves. Again, Galatians 6, verse 14. But Jesus Christ, the Lord, the sovereign one, alone, and ourselves, your slaves, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. And this is going way back to Genesis, by the way, in the type of what it reveals. In Genesis, the first chapter, in the beginning of the second. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, and again, this is John 1, 5 and 1 John 1, 5, to shine out of the darkness, has shined in our minds has lit up our whole mind, our thought life, to give, and oh, it's always grace. Grace always precedes knowledge because that eliminates the fallen intellect and the unsubmitted will. The light to give, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, listen, in the face of Jesus Christ and him alone. You know, even Luther, even though he went back into all kind of those, that, that Catholic teaching, even though he went back into it, God did raise him up to bring back, in truth, the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of Christ alone, by faith alone, by Jesus Christ alone. Period. And he fought that. And we can call it Catholicism or anything else, the universal consent and all that other nonsense, which at some point we want to get into, if God so deigns that, has shined in our hearts to give the, the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But, listen, but, we have this treasure in these fragile, weak clay jars. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That's the gospel, Galatians 2.20. Now here is where this is going to be brought out. And this is the only way it can be brought out. And this is why, again, I say prayer with men is of the utmost importance. 
It is of the utmost importance and not to be eschewed for a single thing ever, ever. This is 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. It says, I exhort, I exhort through a godly intensity of desire and intimacy. Therefore, that first of all, supplications, that's that form of prayer, prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings, those that are in authority, Romans 13, 1, all the powers, are, all the powers there is, has to do with those placed in authority. And they're allowed to be there, and God uses, God uses the will of even unsaved man as, as saved man, yes, he does, but only for good and for the exclusion of those unsubmitted wills. And for all that are in authority and power, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, uh, of God our Savior. God our Savior is one in title. It's not, it's not God the Father and Jesus Christ. God our Savior is Christ himself. Okay? We worship Jesus Christ. We worship God the, we worship God the Father. The same equality as Jesus Christ the Son. We worship him. There's absolutely no question about that. Based upon Acts 4, 12, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 5, Acts 10 and verse 43, Acts 13, 38 and 39, and countless of other scriptures. Who? 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all men, all humanity, anthropos, all humanity, not andros, men themselves. We'll get to that in verse 8. To be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's Christ himself alone. He doesn't share his glory with any. Ever. I believe it's Isaiah 42 and verse 8. He doesn't share his glory with anyone other than Jesus Christ. Who has glorified himself. And that again is brought out in John 13. 35 and 36. Here says this, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, notice this, and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. It wasn't given to anyone else. No woman, no other man. Who gave himself a ransom, what? for all to be testified in due time. And the due time is revealed in Isaiah 45, verse 23, and Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Every knee is going to bow. Things on the earth, things in heaven, and things under the earth, even those in hell. Every knee will bow to Jesus Christ himself alone. Period. Anything other than that teaching is cultic, evil, idolatrous and hatred toward God and his Christ and the Holy Spirit, who's the true teacher and true scholar and theologian. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher. I'm going to tell you, boy, oh boy, convicting. A preacher and, and an apostle like Paul. No one, there's no more apostles like men take today. There are no more apostles, okay? Very simply put. There aren't any more. And if you understand the original Koine Greek, you would even understand it in Ephesians 4, verse 11. 
and understanding and preponderance of all the scriptures that those that were apostles had to see Christ and receive his word personally. That's what made an apostle, none other. There were 11 earthly apostles and one to replace him. And then one heavenly one where we get all our heavenly truth that's above everything. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. Lie not. I don't add to Christ or take away from him. Deuteronomy 4, 2, 11, 30, 32. No, I don't do it. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. Revelations 22, 18 and 19. I don't take away or add to the word. I don't do that. I, as in truthfully, all of us that function in the truth without lies. There is, there is no lie in the truth, but there is a father of all lies in John 8, verse 44. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not. A teacher of the Gentiles, an absolute faith, dependence on Christ and him alone. Watch the context. And verity, truth that Christ is in John 14, 6. Sanctified by it in John 17, 17. And Jesus set himself apart so that we could be set apart in him in John 17 and verse 19. Very, very, very amazing. Holy Spirit couldn't be doing any of that if Christ hadn't finished the work. For any of us, he couldn't seal us. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Ephesians 1, verse 13. Nor could he ever regenerate us in Titus 3, 5. Nor take the things of Christ in John 16, 13 and 14 and teach us and show them unto us. Having be, having be that unction that's in each one that is in Christ in 1 John 2, 20. And we don't have any need that any man, especially natural or cultic, should be our teacher other than Christ, a man submitted to Christ where the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ and now through that submitted vessel becomes the teacher in 1 John 2 and verse 27. We don't have any need. Christ is our need in Philippians 4 and verse 19 and we can do all things through him and him alone in 4.13 of Philippians. This is where it comes to and this is where I want to bring in my own personal conviction. I will therefore that men, andros, men, Men, males, husbands, leaders, Christian men, pray everywhere. Be dependent everywhere and pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And let me tell you, boy, oh boy. Okay, you want to pray? You know why you don't pray like you should, Ed? I'm going to tell you why. Because are your hands not clean? In areas, in James 4, verse 8, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw... This is the beauty of the gospel. Here it is. Draw nigh to God, near him, and he will draw near to you. Then you cleanse your hands, you sinners. Then you can purify your minds and not being double-minded, mixing the flesh with the word and going back and forth, living for Christ, living in the world. But now you lift up holy hands, and boy, those prayers will be heard. And that teaching that will come as a result of those in Acts 6 verse 4 will be the purity of Christ and no mixing of the flesh. And then there will be no wrath and no doubting. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this truth. Amen.